Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Psalm 106 and reading for our text, verse 15. Verse 15, And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Psalm 106, verse 15. In this psalm, the psalmist rehearses the history of the children of Israel, especially as they were going through uh, the wilderness, but also in the promised land. And he gives a reason in our text as for a state and condition of their soul. And we may say as well that this is as much a word to us as it was to them. It is good for us to realise that there are often reasons, we might say always reasons, for the condition of our souls. But sometimes we can mistake them, sometimes we can make excuses for them and even make it to be a positive thing. There are those that will say, well, uh, we are a poor thing and our poor prayers and our uh, poor spiritual life and we, we cannot commune with the people of God uh, and, and they almost make it a, a badge of honour as if that was a title to being one of the people of God and they might uh, perhaps take one of their hymns, Poor and Afflicted, Lord are Thine, uh, and, and excuse a condition of soul that is really a lean, dead, worldly state of soul as if it was a good thing. But dear friends, if we know what it is, to be having a soul that is satisfied with the goodness of the Lord, to be blessed with the fat things of the gospel, then to feel our leanness, we will want to know why is this so. Now we know many of the Lord's dear children are called to pass through a path of tribulation. It is not chastening. It is the Lord making them feel and know what they really are by nature and that they have no strength and might and nothing in and of themselves. But there are other times that the Lord's dealings with us are in chastening and to miss that, to overlook that and to continue on as if the Lord had not a message to us in the state and condition of our soul is to miss the message of the text here and the surrounding verses. We read, He gave them their request. They were wanting things which God had not willed them to have, things for their flesh, things to please them, things that would satisfy their fleshly lusts and fleshly desires, things that were not spiritual things, things that the world had, the Gentiles had, things that they had had when they were in Egypt. You might say the people of God, before they were converted, before they knew the Lord, 
And now they know the Lord and yet now they're looking back and they're wanting those things again. The Lord gives them to them, but then he gives them also leanness in their souls. Sent leanness in their souls. And so this morning I want to look at this word, look at what it is firstly to have leanness of soul and then the reasons for it that are given here and then thirdly learning from the text. In bringing a word like this we have no desire to cast down the poor of the flock and those that are low, those that are feeling to be so impoverished of soul but to look narrowly into our path, into our lives. Is there a reason? Is there a cause? And is it the cause that is set before us here? Because Israel will not be the last to walk through this path when the Lord deals in chastening in this way. Now, I want then to uh, look at this word firstly from the leanness of soul what what is actually set forth here now the first thing I would say in this regard this is not speaking about a dead soul this is not speaking about one that is dead in trespasses and sins one that does not know the Lord and does not have a living soul. The Lord could not send leanness into a soul that was a dead soul, that as yet had not been quickened into life, because that soul does not know anything spiritual at all. They are not alive spiritual. They are only worldly, carnal and dead. If you went, and in a most solemn thing, if you went to many going about their pleasures today and you would ask them about their soul, they said, what? What? And they wouldn't know what you're talking about, even a soul. Then what about the pleasures of the soul? What about the joys of the soul? The fatness of the soul? What about the food for the soul? And they look at you as if you are a madman. And we're not just talking about those that make no profession of religion. That can be also for those that do. Many years ago, one of the vicars of this town, very ill, uh, having treatment for cancer, not able to, to minister to his flock, and I asked him as we met at the school gate when the children were young, and I said to him, are you going to the church then? So he, oh no, he said, I'm off work. He said, they'd make me work again if I went there. I said, well, do, where do you go to get food for your soul? And he looked at me utterly blank. What are you talking about? And then he said, well, he said, I go to a surrounding parish just to get ideas for when I go back to work, what to use in my sermons. And he had no idea about a living soul that needs food, that needs bread, that lives before the Lord. 
we can have an outward religion, but our soul be dead. And we, if we are quickened into life, that soul, it needs food. Naturally, when we, have, when we are alive naturally, if we do not have food, then we'll, we'll get thin and eventually we'll die. We need sustenance. And if we don't have that, we perish. And so it is with the soul. Where we have a living soul, where the Lord has passed by us and bid us live, where he's given us grace, where he's opened our ear, where he's given us spiritual life, that life needs feeding. It needs nourishing. It needs care. It needs growth. And if it does not get these things, then it will go lean. We think when Pharaoh had the dream that was to foretell the coming of the great famine in Egypt, and it was told by, well, two different ways. Firstly, there was the uh, cattle that arose that were uh, full, fat, uh, fleshed, healthy cattle, and then there arose those that were very lean, those that were very thin, and they ate up the fat cattle, and after they had done that, you could not see that they had profited at all, they were still lean, they were still thin. And it was pointing to the effects of that famine. It was to be seven years of great plenty, but after that, seven years of a great dearth, no growing, no prospering, no fruitfulness, nothing to fatten the people of the land. And we then can have seasons like that as well, fat and flourishing spiritually, but then leanness, leanness of soul. No, John, when he writes in his epistles, he uh, desires that the one that he writes to might be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. What a thing. For some people, that would be to wish them dead, wouldn't it? If they were to be naturally as well as their soul, they wouldn't be very well at all. They'd be very ill. There is a link between the two, you might say. A picture between the two. And if you and I have that great blessing of eternal life, then it is our privilege and our blessing to not only have life, but as our Lord says in John 10, to have it more abundantly. And that should be our desire. Not just have, like the church in the Revelation, a name to live and yet be dead. We think of how the church was portrayed and set forth in Revelation 3, and verse 17, the Laodicean church that is neither cold nor hot, a lukewarm church. And it was said of them, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knoweth not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This was the condition of that soul, the soul of that church, the people of that church. 
But they weren't to despair. They were given counsel to seek that which was right and that which was prosper their soul and strengthen their soul. And he says at the end, as many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. And that really is what our text here is. The children of Israel were being chastened and the Lord had in a judgmental way given them leanness of soul. So the leanness of soul, what is it then? Spiritually, very low. Our thoughts are worldly thoughts, carnal thoughts, not spiritual thoughts. Our meditation on the things of God stalls and we cannot get above the word on the page. We don't have any comfort in spiritual things. We don't have joy in spiritual things. Remember when David had committed adultery and murder in his beautiful prayer in Psalm 51 of Repentance and godly sorrow, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That had been taken away. That was gone because of the condition and way that he had gone. No spiritual fruit. We think of the fruit of the Spirit, especially as set forth in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. But this people here, They had lusted after worldly, fleshly things, not crucifying the flesh. And so they were then walking in a carnal way, a worldly way, an ungodly way. Another symptom of that leanness of soul is little help from the word of God. Little food. Remember the Lord said to Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The word was to be a strength. The ministry was to be a strength. When the Lord met with Peter, after he was restored, his threefold charge, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. The people of God were to be fed. Now, of course, we may say a people could grow lean, if they have a ministry that does not feed the souls of the people of God. And you can have that. No, a ministry just of anecdotes, a ministry that is just a social uh, gospel, a ministry with Christ not in it. The Lord said, except that ye eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, ye have no life in you. You have a ministry that treats of many religious things. But the food that a soul needs is Christ. And a Christless sermon will never profit the people of God. They won't feed upon that. A spiritual soul, you know, preaching as well. In one sense, it's easy to preach a 
providential sermon. It's easy to preach about many doctrines, many things, but to come to Christ, to come to his sacrifice, his death, what he means to a sinner, what he is to the people of God, that is not an easy thing to preach because one needs to be spiritual to be able to do it and to listen to a sermon like that as well. It will be dry to those that are spiritually dead. They won't see in it ever anything to attract them or to satisfy a natural heart. But a spiritual soul, it will. But a soul that is lean, a soul that is lean, it won't relish the things of God. It won't relish that flesh and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That bread from heaven, our Lord says in John 6, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It's a blessed thing to be given spiritual life and to be given that hunger and thirst after righteousness, the blessing upon those that do that. But a lean soul, they are in a sickly state. They even in the path in, in Psalm 106 where 107 rather it speaks of those that uh, abhor all manner of meat and that they uh, then the very meat the very blessing that was to be of good for their soul they're not wanting that you know if you have a person you think all they need is a good meal but they resist that meal and you think the very thing that would heal you, you don't want. And especially with a lean soul, when they have no relish, no desire, no appetite, no longing for the word, prayer is a task, it's a burden, reading of the word, they skim over it and don't profit from it. Uh, the service of the house uh, just come and gone and there's nothing for their soul. They feel so empty and carnal and dead and worldly and, and yet it, it seems to be a vicious circle because the very food, the very thing that they need to be strengthened, they don't want. They have no appetite for it. They are a lean soul. They don't have fellowship with the Lord. Enjoy, enjoy those sweet times of communion with the Lord and with the Lord's people. They sit beside them. They might strike up a spiritual conversation with us, but we can't return it. We have nothing to say. No blessings of the Lord. No exercise of soul. Uh, we, we are empty at all. Sometimes we know what that is. To, to, to try and speak to people on the things of God. And you cannot. There's no communion. There's nothing that they can bring forth. There's nothing that they know. They look at you as if you're speaking a strange language. But sometimes that can be us. We feel lean. We feel shut out. We feel separated from the people of God. A lean soul with a worldly frame how we are exhorted to walk in the Spirit, he shall not fulfil the deeds of the flesh. Our text says, he gave them their request, but sent leanness 
into their soul. And so we need to really examine ourselves. What condition is our soul? Is our soul in a healthy, flourishing condition? Is it lively in the things of God? Prayer is a joy, the companionship of the people of God. We speak often one to another. Under the sound of the truth, we drink in the word. Our heart burns within us like the two on the way to Emmaus. We have those meditations upon the word. Thy words were found, I did eat them. They were to the joy and rejoicing of my soul. To really be able to say with the psalmist, my meditation shall be of him and it is sweet. I lay awake, he says, in the night watches. I prevent the dawning of the morning that I might meditate upon thy word. Filled with full of the fatness of the Lord, ranging up and down throughout the word, one text after another, coming to mind, feeding upon it, the Lord opening up the scriptures and the spices flow forth and the sweet savour of Christ and the joy of the Lord fills our hearts and our faith to look beyond the grave and to have that hope beyond the grave and interest in Christ and inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven for us and believe it, long for it and look for it. What a contrast there is between a lean soul and a soul full of the favour of the Lord and the fatness of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord. These things are not just in the mind. It affects the heart. affects the whole person. What a difference there is when, when we are sick, when we are unwell and we cannot do things, we cannot do what we do when we are healthy. And so it is a contrast in a spiritual way as well. We might think that there are many things that will make us to have a, a full and flat, fat soul, while all the time there are those things that are sapping away our strength and taking away our strength. We may come into the house of God and we may hear the word and thought, think, surely this shall help us. But when we go out of the house of God, there are those things that are taking away our strength. Remember the children of Israel, they serve the Lord, but also serve their idols at the same time. And we can be like that as well. Even in a natural sense, we can be on one hand eating healthy meals, but on the other hand, by what we do, by perhaps way of exercise or other things, we're negating every benefit and every help that we've received through, through nourishment. So we have the condition that is here given a reason for it. And I want to look at this reason. We said at the beginning, not all chastening, uh, not all leanness is chastening. But when we think of chastening, in Hebrews 12, the benefit 
is that those that are exercised thereby. And so when we are in a lean state of soul, don't just make that a badge of being a Christian. Don't make excuses for it. Don't just say, well, this is a day of small things. The, the Spirit is often withdrawn and I think many of the Lord's people are like this. Sometimes we say things like this and, and it's in some measure it is true. But if, if we're going to shelter under that and make excuses, we're virtually saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm resigned to this. I'm happy to just stay like I am. And we're also saying, in effect, there's not a reason, and I, I don't bother. I, I'm not going to even look into the reason. But our text shows that there is a reason, and we should look and look carefully and honestly with our soul, what is the reason? Is the Lord speaking to us in this way? Now, you might say, well, there, there's two things here. There, there is a reasons, and we're going to go through them in a moment. There's four reasons in the two verses that are preceding our text. But in one sense, those reasons, those things that are done, are a reason for the Lord judgmentally bringing leanness into the soul. Now, there is, there, it's hard to separate the two in a way. But our text is very clear, clear. It is not just because he gave them their request and because they were walking in the way that they were, it just happened that leanness came into their soul. Yes, it had a great effect and a great reason for that, but this is sent, a judicial being sent. We might have a thief and they're stealing things from stores. They get caught. They don't go immediately to jail. Because they were stealing things, they end up in jail. There's a step between that. They're caught, they go before the judge and the judge pronounces them guilty and he sends them to jail. And it's in this way the children of Israel were walking in a specific way. The Lord saw which way they were walking and he sent leanness into their soul. We like to think, well, we can walk careless and do what we like in our lives and it won't affect us. We'll still be a healthy Christian. We'll still pray at the prayer meeting. We'll still join the services. We'll still preach. But the Lord says, no. You're one of my children. I'm not going to let you get away with that. I'm going to send leanness into your soul. And you know, maybe remember this. This is a way that the Lord can only chasten his own children. We said at the beginning, a dead soul doesn't even know they're alive. The Lord can't even send leanness. If this is a pain to you, a sorrow to you, a grief to you, something that you've grown under is not a mark of being not a child of God. It is only the living that know what it is when the Lord takes away a fatness and takes away what they once had and replaces that with emptiness. 
And again I would say, don't make that a badge of honour. Don't make that to be satisfied. Well, I am a child of God, I am chastened, I am corrected. Is it a joy to be like that? Can you really like to be like that? So empty like that? There are those that are dead in our assemblies and they hear the description of God's children and the things that they have and they like to think, well, this this describes me. I, I can come in here as a child of God. But the very fact that they can rest in that easy and be not unhappy with that is a mark against them. It's a mark against us. You think of a child. child has been corrected. And they might have the rod and smack and they look at the parents and say, that didn't hurt. You shut them in the room. They say, don't worry about that. I'll just play with my toys in the room. And everything that is done, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't smite them. They don't want to change. What a solemn thing if in effect we're saying to the Lord, the condition of my soul that I am in, I'm happy to remain and stay in that all my days. But a soul that is not happy with it, they'll look, Lord, why? What is it? What is it that I've done wrong? Why? Why is this state of soul, especially if we've known something very, very different to that? And so the first reason why there is given in our text here, God has sent it. God has sent it. That should lead us straight back to God. Should lead us to him first. Instead of thinking, well, I must put this right, do that right. Very often we lean to a, a way of works as if we are going to restore our soul. Very often we neglect the very things for which the Lord is chastening us for. So take it first to the Lord. Take it to him that has sent it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You say, but it's prayer, I feel my leanness. Yes, but take it to the Lord in prayer and tell him your leanness. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you're labouring under, what you miss. Tell him your state and your condition. You say he already knows. Yes, he does. But he also loves to hear his people. He wants to hear their voice. And these things that he sent to them, doesn't it give us something to pray about? Something to bring him to him? Something to tell him of? Something for him to do for us? Something that he is bidding us to pay attention to this very thing? You say, oh, I'll pay attention to all sorts of other things instead of this thing. I'll pray for persecuted Christians and for the church and for other people. no. The Lord has given you this thing, his leanness in your soul. This is your matter before the Lord. This is to take before the Lord. He has sent it. And really, you know, only the Lord can change it. Only the Lord can send prosperity and blessing and fatness of soul. I remember that. We have not had it in our own power to change this state of our soul, but the Lord can. If the Lord has sent it, 
You know, Job in his great afflictions with his friends, he said, it is the Lord that casteth thou, not man. You are miserable comforters, my friend, but it is not you that's cast me down, it's the Lord. You think of all what Satan did. Did Job turn round and say, look what Satan has done to me. No, he says, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We think of David numbering Israel. We have two accounts. One, that Satan stood up against Israel. The other, the Lord moved David to number Israel because of Israel's sin. But when David was convinced of the sin of numbering Israel, he doesn't blame it on the Lord. He doesn't blame it on Satan. He says, I have sinned. And at the end of that, the Lord showed him where the temple was to be built. A blessing in it. And so with here, we look to the Lord who has sent this and we inquire into it why. Why has this come? What purpose? So there are four reasons that are given in the two verses that precede our text. We read first that they forget his works. God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He'd shown mighty works in Egypt. He'd shown mighty works of the Red Sea. He divided the Red Sea. He brought them safely through. He destroyed their enemies. Afterwards, that he uh, gave them the bitter waters made sweet, and they'd done all of these things, and yet they they forgot his works. Is that something that we have done? There are those times in their lives we say, this is the Lord's doing. He's marvellous in our eyes. God has always determined that what he does for his people does not end up being forgotten. When he brought them out of Egypt, he gave them the Passover. When their children should ask, what meaneth this ordinance? He should tell them that the Lord slew all the firstborn that when we sheltered beneath the blood, he brought us out. He saved our firstborn alive and brought us out with a high hand out of Egypt. It was an ordinance of remembrance to provoke a remembrance of the works of the Lord. You think of the going through Jordan, the other side. Stones were to be set up, 12 stones in the middle of Jordan, 12 on the other side of Jordan. Why, so the children, what meaneth these stones? And it was provoked them to say what had been done. God's works. He's a God of providence. He's a God of grace. He is a God that does for his people. His works, as recorded in the word at Calvary, his works in the church of God, his works in our lives, telling to the generation to come the wonderful works of God. So how do we stand with that? Are we forgetting his works? To go back and remember how the Lord began with us and what he did with us in providence and in grace. 
Thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God hath led thee these forty years in the wilderness to try thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst serve the Lord or no. May we examine ourselves. Is this a reason why the Lord has brought leanness into our souls? Because we have forgotten his works. May we go from this place today and go over what the Lord has done for us. May we remember all the way and not forget his works. But secondly, we read that they waited not for his counsel. With the children of Israel, they were lusting, they wanted the manna, they did not wait for the Lord's counsel. They demanded that he give them flesh to eat. When they came to the promised land, the spies that were sent out, they did not wait for the Lord's counsel. They gave counsel. No, the Lord was not able to bring them into that land. And so the Lord sent them 40 years back into the wilderness. When they did go into the promised land, we have the Gibeonites coming to them and they took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the Lord. The Gibeonites made out they came from very far off, came from a far off land, had mouldy bread, shoes had worn out, no water in their bottles. And the Israelites, they looked at all that, deceived by it didn't realise that they lived only about three days' journey away. They took of their victuals and did not ask counsel of the Lord. They made a covenant agreement with them. And the Lord honoured it. They could not destroy them. They remained servants to the children of Israel. But are we like that? Do we look at things and think, that's easy, we don't need to ask the Lord's advice on that. We don't need his counsel on that. We can make the decision. You look at this providence, you look at this thing and that thing, just like the children of Israel were looking at the victuals. We'll make the decision based on that. But we are not God. God sees things we don't see. God knows what we don't know. You know, when David wanted to build the temple of the Lord, Nathan says, go, do all that is in thine heart. Did he ask counsel of the Lord? He's a servant of the Lord. He might have thought, well, that's a good thing. That's a right thing. But then he had to go back to David with the Lord's true message. Thou shalt not build the temple. Thy son shall build it. Thou hast shed much blood. The Lord's counsel was quite different, wasn't it? And so we can be the same. May we wait for the Lord. Wait for his counsel. Wait for his direction. Thou shalt hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When we turn to the right hand, when we turn to the left. The Lord has ways to shepherd his people. It's a solemn thing as in this case. They were left to not only not wait, but take things into their own hands. They really demanded of the Lord. 
You give us this. You give us this thing. We might be like that as well. Give me this prosperity. Give me a full church. Give me a nice car. Give me a nice house. Uh, give me this and that. We feel we, we want these things or we need these things. And sometimes the Lord leaves it in our power to actually do it and make steps and do it. And then when it's done, yes, we had that thing, but we've got leanness in our soul. And remember the thing that uh, the children of Israel were doing, and this is the third point in verse 13, verse 14, but lusted exceedingly. What they were doing, they were saying when they're in that wilderness, we remember the leeks, the melons, the cucumbers. We remember all the things that were in Egypt. How many of us know what our old nature will do? It will think back to days when we are unconverted. And our old nature will lust after those things. And even think, oh, I wish I didn't have the restraint of being under the hand of the Lord. I'd just like to indulge that sin or that sin or that way. All nature is like that, you know. It always remains the same. doesn't like fetters. We can be, it is like the mad Gadarene. They tried to hold him down. They tried to fetter him, but he just broke through them all. No man could tame him. And our old nature is just like that. The word of the Lord is, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. But here is a people that rather than not mortifying it, have sought to indulge it and go after that way. The Lord was so certain, ye cannot serve God and mammon, but we try. And we try to our cost. We try and have a spiritual life, but also the things of the world and the things that our flesh likes, we want as well. Don't pray for that because we still want that. Don't pray against that besetting sin because we still want to indulge that sin. We still want to look at that. We still want to walk in those ways. We still want to enjoy those things. The Lord says, no, I'll send leanness into your soul. Yeah, you, you can have those things, you can indulge them, but on my part, I'm sending leanness into your soul. You might say, well, as a direct result of indulging the things of the flesh is another reason why we are lean of soul. But here we told the Lord is doing it in a judgmental way. Dear friend, watch. What we lust and desire after and long after, is it the flesh wanting to be indulged and wanting the things of this world? Because if it is, here in the Lord's kindness and love to his dear people, he will send leanness into your soul. Then as it were a choice, he will say to you, what do you want? Do you want the world and the things of it, or do you want me? Do you want heaven or hell? Do you want to enjoy the things of, the, of God? Or do you want to enjoy the things of the world? You cannot have them both. You cannot walk in them both. I'm not going to give you a rich, fat soul while you're indulging all the things of the world. No, it's not so. And we are told here that this is one of the reasons, one of the things that they were doing. 
lusting exceedingly in the wilderness. The fourth thing is this, that they tempted God. They tempted God. And we are told of that in the rehearsing of it in Psalm 78 and verse 20. They, from verse 19, they spake against God. Verse 18, they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock, that the waters gushed out, the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Now they're tempting us like Satan. If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that they might be made bread. Prove it so. Another thing that they tempted was saying, is the Lord among us or no? Have you ever thought of that as being a temptation, a slight to the Lord? After all what he's done for us, after all his counsel, his goodness, his mercies, and so many tokens for good, and we get to a state of say, Is the Lord amongst us? Is he our God? The children of Israel did that, and yet they had abundant evidence that he was. Don't ever again think that that's a badge of humility and a badge of honour to doubt, to disbelieve. That is Satan's work to cause the people of God to doubt, to disbelieve him and disbelieve his work and to side with the world and to side with Satan. No. And one great, of course, uh, evidence of being the Lord is that the Lord does chasten and does correct. Hear ye the rod and who hath appointed it. So there are four things here that the Lord identifies for us. Forgetting of his works, waiting not for God's counsel, lusting exceedingly after worldly, sensual, temporal things and tempting God. And for these things, he gave them their request, gave them what they thought we might think, well, the Lord must be for us. He's given us what we want. Jonah might have said, well, the Lord has given me a ship that's going well away from Nineveh and he's given me the fare. He's given me these things I need. But was it right? Was it the right way? No, no. The Lord can send things that we might look at. The Lord's given me this, but not good for our soul. Not good for us. And so then he sends leanness into the soul. Well, I want to look then thirdly, learning from the text, learning from this that is before us. The first thing is this, it's a form of chastening of the Lord. We might think, well, the chastening of the Lord is just things like sickness, car accident, things going wrong. But here is very clearly set forth a form of chastening and it is for his children that know what it is to have the fullness and fatness and blessing of the Lord. He has sent leanness. 
we are to learn from it that we do not despair. This is given for good, is given as chastening, is given for a child of God. And also do not not care. Do not just accept it and think, well, there's nothing I can do. Remember, wherever the Lord chastens, the same with the child naturally, the whole idea is restoring and bringing back. So don't ever think, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm so far off and so barren and so dead and so cold. It's a hopeless case. No, it's not. Especially if the Lord has made you feel it, made you groan under it. It is a hopeless case if you say, well, what must be, must be. That, that, that's, that's my case. Or it's the Lord's fault. He's withholding his spirit. It's his fault. Yes, he's sent leanness, but that's not as a fault of his. It's his good and kindness for the soul. May we rightly discern the Lord's intentions. I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. A child left to itself bringeth its mother to shame. The Lord doesn't leave his people to themselves. He appoints the rod, he sends it. So then, let's think of those four points again. Let's retrace our steps. Bunyan portrays his Christian walking in the way, going in bypath meadow, going in ways, and when they were convinced of that they were wrong, they had to retrace their steps, they had to undo what they had done. So what about the first one? His works. What a profitable way in restoring the fatness of the soul to rehearse before ourselves and maybe before our loved ones the works of the Lord. Go over what he has done. Remember what he has done. Again, there is a danger here. Some would say, well, uh, I'm going to look what the Lord has done. Oh yes, I am a child of God, then it's all right. It doesn't matter my being in this low state and condition. That's a solemn thing if we can do that. Just living on past experiences and past tokens and not wanting a present walk with the Lord, enjoyment with the Lord. It should be our desire as the Lord's people to live closely with the Lord and enjoyment with him and with his dear people, to be a fat and flourishing soul. So let us remember his works. Let us also wait for his counsel. Maybe there is need that the, the brakes be put on, that we look to the Lord and ask for the Lord's counsel. Ask what the Lord would have us to do. It may come as a surprise to us that we haven't asked him. We've just gone on in the way and haven't, haven't asked. The Lord knows how much we've asked of him in the many things that respect us in personally, in the church of God, in our families. Do we ask? Very easy to be busy. Solemn lesson I had years ago. Three services in front of me. 
busy trying to search the scriptures, find a text, prepare, and got angry with the Lord. Went before the Lord, Lord, thou hast put me into the ministry, thou hast given me three services before me, and you haven't given me a text, and I was angry with the Lord. And he just dropped into my heart, just as a man was speaking, thou hast not asked. And it was true. I hope I'll never forget that lesson. But always come before the Lord first. I think I've got it on my screen at home. Never do anything without asking the Lord first in prayer. Seek him first. Ask his counsel. And especially when we think the matter is so cut and dried, we don't need to ask. That is a time we should really ask for his counsel and wait for his counsel as well. Remember King Saul, he forced himself, he offered the sacrifice and then just as he'd offered the sacrifice, along came Samuel. What hast thou done? Thou art a king, thou should not be offering a sacrifice. Easy for us to do the same. Want the Lord to put his rubber stamp on what we're doing and yet not have asked him. But what about the third point, the lusting? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. How often we can want more than what the Lord has been pleased to give us. May we desire more the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. To have the Lord's presence and that sweet communion with him and his dear people. But what about the last one, tempting him? Do we tempt God in what we say, especially are we really the Lord? Is he among us? Lord, help us to believe and to trust and to lean upon the Lord. The Lord said at one time to his people when they were saying the same thing, can a woman forget her sucking child? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are ever before me. Another time he challenged them, he said, You show me the documents of divorcement, the writing of divorcement. Have I really put you away? You show me that. You know, it's a predominant sin of Israel and for the people of God as well, to doubt what he has done, to cast away what he has done. Cast not away thy confidence which hath great recompense and reward. Despise not the day of small things. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He does not change, we change. So let us not lay to his charge that he has changed or he will not follow through with the blessings and what he has given us. May we learn from this word. May we hear the Lord speaking to us through it and be encouraged and the end result be that the Lord gives us that fatness of soul, closeness with him, the blessing of the Lord. We have be able to trace it 
to hearing his word here this morning. He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. The Lord add his blessing. Amen.